Welcome back to On the Road Again, uh, Winchester's podcast from Nerds and Beyond. Uh, Today is a very exciting, interesting day for us um, because we are recording our John Winchester deep dive. Um, This has been many weeks in the making and the planning. Uh, Our outline on Google Docs right now is 11 pages long. um, And shockingly, most of it is not actually ranting. A lot of it has a lot of really great points. We've been excited to do this episode, I think, for John and later for Mary. We're also going to do Mary as well, Um, because this John is going to be our central protagonist in the Winchesters. Um, It's his story that we're kind of following, um, this journey to finding his father, finding out more about his past. And even on the original Supernatural, John is a hugely important character. For only really appearing in 13 episodes, he had a huge impact on the narrative, uh, I mean, especially on the Kripke era at the beginning of the show. And he remains a really important part of the rest of the show, even with Sam and Dean on different adventures because of the impact that he had on their lives as kids. So I think what we really want to do with this episode is kind of break down John's character a little bit, figure out what's canon, what's not canon, what are some things that we can imply, what are things that we're told. Um, and Kennedy's mentioned this before on the podcast, but so much of what we know about John is stuff that we're told about John. Um, There's not a lot that we, like, actually see for sure. Um, It's a lot of memories that, like, Dean has, and Dean was a child, so some of his stuff doesn't quite line up with reality. Um, And it's important to know where John came from and where he ends up to understand why he's important on the Winchesters as well. Um, And we're just really excited. I mean, I, I think the fandom has complex feelings about John, and I think that those feelings are all valid. We see a lot of different sides of John over the course of 15 seasons, and we hear a lot about John. Um, and I'm just looking forward to kind of diving into some of those some of those inconsistencies and also some of the things that are just make the character really fascinating. Because I think no matter how you feel about him, he's a really interesting character. Yeah, and no matter how you feel about him, he's such an important part of the show. Just even from the jump, I mean, you can argue that he kind of jump-started you know the journey that we go on with Sam and Dean so it's it's just really he's a very complex character as Jewel said and I think it's important to acknowledge all the different facets of him because there there are a lot but um let's get into it this is this is either going to be a very bumpy ride or a very intelligent rant we will see maybe a combination <laughs> of both who knows combination of both I I think there's lots of ways that you can rant about John emotionally. And I think we're all very protective over Sam and Dean because we followed them for 15 years. We followed their stories. Um, but I do think that some of it then makes it a little harder to look at John as anything other than like either the worst father ever or like a tragic figure or whatever. Like, I think this is going to be interesting to just look at John as John, like on his own terms and not how we feel about Sam or Dean or their upbringing. Um, and also I think it's going to be really fun because we're going to start with the era of John that we know the least about, but is possibly the version of John that is like the easiest to like, which is the new version that we're going to be seeing on the Winchesters, um, played by Drake Roger. This is the youngest John that we've seen. We don't know very much about John's early life. Um, we know obviously that he lost his father at four years old, um, same as Dean, uh, losing his mother at the same age, uh, And in this version, in the Winchesters, we see that he's just back from Vietnam and he is looking for answers about his father. Um, And there's just so much here that we don't know. Like we knew Millie's name. We knew that that was his mother's name, but we know almost nothing about her. The prequel has now supplied that she runs her own garage, but that's not something that we necessarily knew from before. And we knew that he served in Vietnam. Um, They mentioned it quite a bit on the original show. And they also mentioned that he got a lot of medals for serving over there. Like you can see it when you look at his journal, like he has quite a few. So it's not that he um, didn't spend a lot of time there. Like he saw action and he got medals for what he did over there. So that's like another interesting side of him that I feel like we don't often get to see. Yeah, I think we hear a lot about how, you know, John's time over there, maybe not necessarily made him into a tough man. Like Mm -hmm. I think he always had that aspect of metal that just seems to be inherent in the Winchester character, but (laughs) um, for better or for worse. But I Mm -hmm. I think that that is, you know, one of his formative experiences that we don't really get to hear a lot about, whether that be because, you know, John doesn't want to talk about that or just because 
Sam and Dean maybe don't necessarily know that much about his time over there. I mean, like I've said, we honestly don't really know that much about John and Mary. Mary more so because we got, uh, you know, to see her come back and see her as a more full, complete person outside of just, you know, the version that they had in her minds of her. But for John, we don't really get that. You know, he was really prevalent in the first, you know, season. And then after that, we just kind of learn a lot of stuff about him anecdotally. So. I think that'll be something really interesting to look into and something that's definitely probably going to be touched on at least some since the whole premise of the Winchesters is, you know, he just came back from from overseas. So and he's a kid like he's young, like doing the math on that. He has to have been underage. Yeah, he was underage. He's 18 in 1972. Yeah. Which is like when you think about a young kid enlisting like people do that all the time. Like my grandfather faked his age to be able to fight in world war two. So, I mean, like that certainly happened, but when you think about like a young kid, like 16, 17 years old, like choosing to go to Vietnam, either you're super patriotic and have like this sense of like, Oh, like I'm going to go off and, you know, save the world. And this is something I can do or whatever. Like you can't stop me or you're running from something. And so I think it's going to be interesting to kind of figure out, you know, why John enlisted in the first place, if we get that information. And then also, you know, what's his life going to be like now that he's back, now that he's here. And we kind of see a little bit of that in the trailer. Like we see, you know, his mom asking him what's next and what he wants to do. Um, But that's like a tough thing. And certainly in the seventies, they were not equipped to understand um, somebody coming back from a war like that at that age, (laughs) like sending like a 16 to 17 year old kid into like an active combat zone. Like that doesn't, that's not going to help things no matter what, if you, whatever your baseline was, it's not going to make things better. And it's weird too, because like, in going back and doing research for this, like we are aware that like John had a lot of buddies from Vietnam that he like kept in contact with like Folsom prison blues in season two, that whole case was precipitated by the fact that Deacon Kaler called them and Deacon knew John from Vietnam. And clearly John had kept in touch enough with him for him to know about what happened with Mary and what happened with the supernatural. So like, clearly he did keep in touch with those people. Like they could certainly show up on the Winchesters. I think it would be really interesting to see some of those people at a younger age. Yeah. I really hope they pull some of those. Like you said, we just don't know a whole lot about that era, but Mm -hmm. the characters that we do know of, I really hope they sprinkle them in there and let us see some of that, especially if we're going to explore a little bit of what it was like for him to be in Vietnam and everything it just I just think about you know we know that your brain's not fully developed it at that age mm-hmm. it's just so incredible and I mean as a history we know that people came back really messed up from Vietnam so just imagining being 18 and faking your age and going over there and then coming back and it's like okay now what I think it's going to be like you said I think it's going to be a little bit of he was running away from the fact that his dad disappeared. And I think it's going to be a little bit of, I needed to prove myself because my dad disappeared. Mm-hmm. He's got like that perfect storm of background that just, I think is really going to play into it. And especially once we see him introduced to the supernatural, like he's, I feel like that's going to play a big part in his identity. It feels like that's going to be something he grasps onto and is like, this is what I do now. I'm not in the army anymore. I fight yeah. things that still hunt people. I hunt these bad things now. Mm -hmm. I also think it's something that could be interesting to explore is how that affects other people's image of John. I feel like we we're, you know, this show is based in Lawrence and we're all Lawrence is always described as this small town. And when we, um, which the episode where, you know, Dean gets sent back in 403 in the beginning, uh, we see that, you know, people know John in the community. They ask him about, you know, mm-hmm. how he's holding up when he comes back. And I don't think that we've really necessarily got to see a lot of Lawrence as a whole and how our characters interact with Lawrence, just because, I mean, obviously in Sam and Dean's case and, and John's, it's just, you know, a sore spot with what happened with the trauma in their family. So I think this could be an interesting way to go back and get some of that clarification and some of that context of, I mean, cause you know, where, where you live, where you grow up, that kind of shapes who you are as a person in some ways. So I think that could be something else that's really interesting to see. 
and seeing Millie and just seeing his childhood in general. I mean, we don't know what it was like for him growing up with a single mom in that time period. And not only a single mom, but like a single mom who apparently like owned her own business and like was very much like her own person. That's really interesting. And especially for the time period, for the time period. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, cause I mean, you figure 1972, he's, you know, an adult, but like when he was a kid, I mean, that was like the sixties. So like the entire time he's growing up in the sixties with a mom, who's like essentially fending for herself. As far as we know, I mean, that's really tough. And again, it's just all these sort of like, it, it's trauma at an early age. We saw it with Sam and Dean and we're seeing it with John. And it's just fascinating to see how that change can affect so much of your life, you know? And I mean, we've already, we've, we've sort of seen this because obviously Drake's era is taking us a little bit further back, but Drake is also going to bump right up against Matt Cohen's version of John um, because we, we meet him. I believe we meet him in 1973, right? We meet yep. Matt's version. Yeah. So like we're, right they're literally the right on the cusp of each other, but like, he's just such a different person matt's john than jeffrey dean morgan's john and not in a bad way but like in a sad way (laughs) like because his version is like very like sweet and like nice and like as much as we know that he's like just got home from vietnam or whatever like he just seems like a very like wholesome like all-american sort of kid and so it's really tragic to think that like within you know a few years he's going to turn into um this like grief-stricken man who is just like hell-bent on revenge it's tough to watch especially since from what we've seen of drake and matt they're just so like lively and like (laughs) sweet and a bullion it's it's really it's tragic but that that is the name of the game in this supernatural (laughs) cinematic universe i fear everyone is trauma and tragedy in the show daddy issues the music daddy issues it's just that's all it is Mary just, too. But, but I before, mean, before we get into the doom and gloom, what what are we excited to find out about Drake's era? Oh my god, like so many things. I I, I like everything. <laughs> I mean, really, like we want to find out about Millie and we want to find out about his Vietnam service and like what happened over there. Like, how is he holding up now that he's back? Like, I want to know the truth. I mean, this sounds silly because we kind of do see it in the trailer, but I want to know like the full story of like how he met Mary and how all that's happening. Did Millie know anything about the men of letters? Did she know anything about that side of things? Or is it a complete mystery to her as well? Like, ah, there's just so much to get into because it's such a blank slate. I mean, we literally know nothing about Millie except her name. So there's so much you can do there. Yeah, I'm excited to see that too. What they do with her character. Because like you said, she's sort of a very strong female character for that time period as well. So I'm curious to see what they do with her, but what they do as far as what she told him about mm-hmm. his disappearance. And I also am really interested to see, because we know in the episode with the Cupids, he makes the comment about John and Mary didn't like each other, but they they were smitten by the time heaven was done with them. So I'm interested to see if they have them get along right off the bat, or if they sort of butt heads and don't really, you know, jive with each other. We're going to get some interaction there or if it's going to be more of an organic partnership that develops over time where where that's going to fall into play I think is what I'm looking forward to yeah I mean we've obviously we've already talked extensively about this I mean it's kind of the whole premise of the show but I mean it doesn't really seem like John and Mary hate each other from what Mm -hmm. we've seen in the trailer so I'm kind of wondering if you know maybe it's just a they were like oh we're we're buds we're friends and heaven was like we cannot no. have that. So I also yeah. think that Cupid is also like could be exaggerating his own skills to a certain extent because like that's what I was if, wondering. If you were sent to make sure that it these two him, people though. fell in love, well, when he was telling Sam and Dean when he was like, and by the time we were done with him, like they were like the perfect couple, you know, like just as a pride fair. thing of like we made this Heaven happen. We are the reason you exist, kind yeah. of thing. I think there's there's a lot, uh, the frustrating thing that we'll see time and time again talking about John and Mary is that so much of this is secondhand from people who mm-hmm. are not reliable sources, like at all. Either it's coming from poor Dean, whose entire memory is like of a four-year-old child who has been extensively traumatized, or you're hearing it from like an angel with an axe to grind, or like a demon who's like trying to piss somebody off. Like there's, it's very rarely 
just like a direct source. And even like the fact that we went back in time and saw certain things, like who's to say that that's actually what was happening too. Like who's to say that that narrative also wasn't changed to fit whatever scenario they needed. So like, there's just so much that it's like, we have to speculate because there's not like proof of anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's just so much meat to the story there for them to play with, I think is what is exciting about it. And like you said, everything that we get is pretty much secondhand in Supernatural itself. So now we're sort of going to the first person story and actually getting it from, from John and from Mary. So seeing, I think I kind of want them to vary a little bit from what we saw in Supernatural because it sort of speaks to what you would remember and what you want to think about your parents versus what actually happened. And there's always that dissonance there, that difference between what a parent would tell a child and what Mm -hmm. the reality of a situation is. I mean, there's also just like little opportunities where there's like continuity continuity errors and such that like you can like exploit. Like one thing that came up a lot, we asked people on Twitter, you know, what do you want to know about John? Like, what's the thing that you want to find out like through this prequel? And something that people mentioned that there was this continuity error um, in in the beginning where they're leaving and somebody says, say hi to your old man for me to John. And the implication is that <laughs> is that John's father is like around because you wouldn't say that otherwise. But by that point, we know that Henry wouldn't have been there. We know that he would have been out of the picture many, many, many years before then. And so it sort of becomes like, okay, clearly that episode was written before we ever met Henry. We met Henry in season eight and this episode was in season four. And I highly doubt that anybody was ever thinking of using Henry Winchester in that way. So it's like, was that a continuity error that they're now going to have to explain? Or is it just something that they're going to have to just leave where it is? So I, I'm interested to see what they do with that because there kind of is no explanation for it other than they just weren't sure what they were going to do with Henry yet. And that was just like a throwaway line. I think it's truly going to be just there was even no inkling of bringing mm-hmm. any more depth to Henry's character at that point. That was so early. And I can't imagine any writer... I can't imagine any actor who is on a television show and is like, yes, we're going to be doing this for another 10 years. We better plan every single detail. We better write everything down. I don't know. I just don't see that. I seriously think they were like, if we get three more years, that's great. And just kind of as that expanded is when they were like, oh, no, we need to find more more areas to expand on. And I think that's how they ended up with Henry. Especially seeing as how, you know, the first the first like general broad arc of the Kripke era was really only, you know, up to season five. So mm-hmm. I don't think that they were thinking that far ahead, um, especially since the ratings were, you know, on and off the rocks <laughs> at the beginning. So they were great. <laughs> um, but it would create I mean, if they chose to do something with that one line, it would be kind of fun. Like, does he maybe have like a father figure that we just don't know about? Like that was in and out of his life when he was younger or something like that. Like did Millie ever end up with somebody else maybe? And that's who they're referring to. Again, that could be really interesting if that's the case, but um, we'll have to see with that. And I mean, the last thing to kind of note about that era of John, because again, we don't, we, we only met him for (laughs) such a brief amount of time um, is that he and Mary both insist that they would not raise their kids um to be hunters like it it actually like kind of hurts to see how much that version of john is against it like he's very much like what are you talking about like i would never like that's that's unthinkable to me and so i want to know how we get from that version of john who's like no way to being the sort of father who like teaches his toddler (laughs) essentially his toddler to like carry a gun like that's what's interesting to me like I want to know how we get from a to z on that honestly I I feel like we're not even necessarily going to get those questions answered I mean I think it would be extremely satisfying and sad to have that happen but I mean we keep saying this we know something has to happen to where you know everything is not necessarily adding up with this picture that we're getting but assuming they're not doing the mind wipe because as we said we just don't believe in that I I can't really see how they would keep that knowledge and still go into it like that if that makes sense I don't know we'll we'll have to see like I just want maximum angst at all times that's really what I'm looking for (laughs) 
is maximum tragedy. You don't have enough angst from your other shows, Jules. This is true. I don't know. I, I, the problem for me is that I like angst with a happy ending, and I don't necessarily know. <laughs> that this show. Have you seen this really show? Like, this is I know. Be a happy I know. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Um, I, I, and it's hard to because the vast majority of our outline is about Jeffrey Dean Morgan's version of John. And first of all, I think I, it has to be said right off the bat that Jeffrey Dean Morgan does an incredible job playing this character. Like, mm-hmm. he's a great actor. Any residual affection that I have for John, that I have for moments from those later seasons, it's because he's such a great actor. Um, and so I think when sometimes when we when people critique John or they critique you know certain aspects of his character, um, it seems like people are critiquing Jeffrey Dean Morgan, which we are not. He's fabulous, and I think he did an amazing job playing John. I wouldn't have wanted anybody else to play John. I thought he did great. Um, but this version of John is very complex. For a character that only physically showed up <laughs> in like 13 episodes. Like he just has a lot to him. And it's it's just difficult because again, so much of it is coming from Sam and Dean, and they both have such very different views of John and what and their view on him changes over the course of the seasons as well. You know, you have a very different perspective in the first season than you do in the 15th. Um, but this is also the version of John that's the most interesting to talk about. It is. And you got to think about it in terms of like, he's very different from the John we get later that we see before Mary passes. But I always think about what, what Jeffrey Dean Morgan was told, you know, when they first pitched him the character of this man's, the love of his life has died. Mm -hmm. He's hell bent on revenge. He has a military background. He has two kids. He has to protect. Go. Like that would have been the basis. It wouldn't have been, Mm -hmm. he was a great guy beforehand and suddenly this has happened. Like Mm -hmm. it would have been all built up in that turmoil anyway. And just knowing that like, I guarantee that's what they pitched him. He does an incredible job and yeah, he's, he can be a problematic character, but I feel like that you don't get that if it's not well done. You Mm -hmm. don't get that if the acting isn't great, if the storytelling isn't great. So as much as we could rag on the character, like you said, I really do love, love having him there. Like it, it added so much depth to the show so quickly, I Mm -hmm. think is what I'm trying to say. No. And like, you're so right. Like having him with Dean and Sam that early on, like you learn so much about Dean and about Sam and how they react to John. And they react so differently, especially in the early seasons to John. Like it just, it gives you such a great idea of their character and having all three of them, like the scenes that we would have with all of them together were wonderful. They were brilliant scenes, just like very well done. And I think that, you know, like you said, they weren't initially conceiving this character with like every single bit of backstory. It was just the basics and some of the stuff that's come later, like stuff that we found out about John later came after Jeffrey Dean Morgan was like done playing the character pretty much. It came from sources that were telling us about John or telling us about their lives, but we weren't seeing it. We weren't seeing John because he died so early on in the show. So anything with Jeff Jeffrey Dean Morgan's portrayal, like that's going to be something that he was (laughs) flying kind of blind. Like he wasn't, he didn't have all this backstory. He didn't have all this information that we now have you know, from watching the show over all these years. Yeah, I will say, well, number one, first of all, just he gave such a wonderful performance concerning, considering he was also playing Denny Duquette on Grey's Anatomy <laughs> at the time. If you hear the stories about him, like trying to learn his lines for both, I kudos to that man, because it could not be me. But And such different um, characters, too. I mean, just vastly, utterly different wildly characters. Wildly different characters. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of the feelings and uh, a lot of the things that we we learn about John kind of inadvertently get heaped onto Jeffrey Dean Morgan's era of John because that's the last you know (laughs) version of him that was alive even if it wasn't necessarily how he was portraying the character Mm -hmm. so I think that is difficult and I feel like when, when you're saying that you know the people who are like John did the best he could I think when we see Jeffrey Dean Morgan's version of that character I think that's very much true I think Mm -hmm. you see that drive in him and you see that mission in him and 
it's it's this whole idea of something that he has to do for his family and even if we are learning this stuff about him later on that might not necessarily align with his vision of what the character was that does inadvertently reflect on his performance because that's just the last version of john that we do know which is something that you have to keep in mind but i mean that being said there are some some things tm to say about john uh in that era i mean like we were discussing the this is my whole spiel but they've heard jules and brianna have heard me say <laughs> but i mean just the way that he kind of brought his kids up and i'm sure that was like a reaction to trauma with him being in the military and everything but him like quasi militarizing his children at a very 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 young age i mean we learn in the pilot you know with sam's like famous line when when i told dad i was scared of the thing in my closet he gave me a 45 and dean's like well what else was he supposed to do and you know they're like they're like nine years old at this time Mm -hmm. so it's it's a very difficult thing to parse out when when you have those conflicting versions of this person that wasn't necessary well you can you can do your best and have it not be good enough right like that's Mm -hmm. what like like he was doing what he thought was best in his mind. It doesn't mean that it was the right thing to do. It doesn't mean that it was the correct thing to do or that it worked out the best for everybody involved, but that was his mindset. That was how he was thinking. And I think that's what's so sad is that he truly thought he was, he thought he was doing the right thing. And in the end, he realized he didn't because when he's dying, he does say to Dean, like, I know that I did the wrong thing here. I know I made the wrong call. Like it's, uh, it's one of the saddest lines when he's like, he's saying in my time of dying, he goes, you know, when you were a kid, I'd come home from a hunt and after what I'd seen, I'd be wrecked. And you'd come up to me and you'd put your hand on my shoulder and you'd look me in the eyes and you'd say, it's okay, dad, Dean, I'm sorry. You shouldn't have had to say that to me. I should have been saying that to you. I put too much on your shoulders. I made you grow up too fast. You took care of Sammy. You took care of me. You did that. And you didn't complain, not once. And I just want you to know that I'm really proud of you. Um, And it's sad because in the next moment, he's asking him to do something awful (laughs) to Sam, if if need be, you know. But in that moment, he makes that acknowledgement of like, oh, I just handed you a lot of childhood trauma. I'm so sorry. Um, Peace out. I'm dying. But like he does realize it in the end, which is just really sad. Like it's just tragic and awful. And you have to think about it from in terms of pre and post Sam and Dean being born. Like you can say a lot of things about, well, I'm not going to raise my kids this way. And I wouldn't do this with that. But even if let's say they have them and then get out of hunting to lose your wife, who would be very skilled in this theoretically, I can see how that fear of also losing these very vulnerable children who know nothing, like I would want to educate them quickly. And obviously he went too far with handing them a gun at nine, but I can kind of see where that would come from of just like that, that fear every day of having your kids taken from you. Like you've already lost your wife. So I can see where, I mean, obviously he went, he went way too far with militarizing his children. (laughs) but you got to think about it in terms of like what he was experiencing at that time and everything he knew so much of what he knew was the military background. That's how you protect yourself. You know, what's coming, you know, how to fight it, you know, how to, how to stand up to it basically. So just always remembering that it just so much changed for him in such a short time period Mm -hmm. that I feel like that's going to, that was probably the main contributor of, you know, in that era Matt era, John, and then Jeffrey Dean Morgan, John, because they are so different, but it was such a traumatic time period. I can't even imagine experiencing what he experienced in a, what a two year time span, four year time span. Yeah. That's and then on, uh, and then on top of that, he's got untreated PTSD. Like we know this, mm-hmm. like this is a guy who saw combat when he was a teenager. And so even if he was able to kind of shove that down, which he wasn't always able to, Because even Dean says that, like, his marriage to Mary wasn't perfect until after she died. Like, clearly this stuff started to come up for him before Mary died. But then to have Mary die so traumatically in an awful, awful way, to have your kids be so vulnerable like that. I mean, 
that could definitely push you over the edge. And again, not saying like, I don't want to come off as being like excusing anything. Like we hear it on the road podcast, do not support handing your child a loaded gun, but like understanding that that's what his mindset was like, that that's the only thing that he felt like he could do to protect these kids. He just snapped. Like he's a shattered person. He's not the same person that he was before. I think that's what makes him such a tragic character really, because when you contrast, if you get into his mindset and I mean, like, obviously everybody who's, you know, lost somebody knows that grief can change you. I mean, like irreparably change you in some ways. And I think that's so obvious in John's case, you know, he's lost so much of his innocence, like innocence in his childhood going to war so early and then he loses his family. So it's understandable that he would like grasp onto that concept. But when you contrast that with his actions, it's just mm-hmm. a, it's a really dissident picture. But I think that's why people have always still kind of harbored this. I don't I don't know how to describe it. I mean, pe- people have always still felt this sort of sympathy towards John, even if you, you know, absolutely detest his actions towards Sam and Dean, which I mean, they are detestable at, at many times. Um, it's just hard to outright hate him knowing what he went through, even if you, you know, don't agree with a lot of the things that he was doing. And I mean, again, there were definitely a lot of things that he could have done better. I mean, going into how he would kind of leave Sam and Dean Mm -hmm. for a long time. Again, you could go back and justify that. Like he wants to keep them out of danger, but at the same time, you know, these are your young children who are already growing up without the influence of one parent. And then another parent is on the road all the time and they know that you're in danger and they're worrying and they're sometimes alone, sometimes not. If he, you know, dropped him off with Bobby or, you know, father Jim back way when that's it's just kind of hard to reconcile in your mind even though you can you can put yourself in his shoes and understand why he would do that at times it's still it's it's difficult no it is and I mean it's funny because I hesitate to draw parallels between John and Dean I really do um, because I think that they're different on a fundamental level I think that Dean is much more like Mary in a lot of ways But one way that John and Dean are very similar is that they carry around a lot of guilt um, and they carry around a lot of anger. And Dean, in the end, is able to kind of overcome that anger and he's able to become a different person and like have a family and have a a quasi normal existence. Um, But John's just never able to get there. Like he's just never able to to. Like, I don't want to say have the time to work on himself because that sounds like I'm suggesting that like John's problems could have been solved with like a facial and a spa day. But like he never really had the chance to like unpack all of his crap and then he died. So there's some stuff that you just feel like maybe if he had just had more time, like maybe he could have gotten time there. for therapy. Yeah. Yeah. He just needed some time. For he really needed therapy. some so therapy. much. Because then when you think about it, too, after he dies, after that happens, he goes to hell. So so it's like he just never at any point, like, kind of, like, caught a break. It's like he he fell and he hit every single branch on the way down that you could, like, possibly hit in terms of trauma. And, like, even we were talking about this, too. We were doing the research for this. We kind of had this picture in our minds of John as, like, this very lone wolf figure, like, this kind of, like, lone hunting figure. And, like, that's not true. Like, he had friends. Like, we were looking back and we are like wow, like this is really different than the person that we thought. But then even among his friends, tragic, horrible stuff happened. Like we know what happened with Bill Harvell, who is one of his closest friends who died because of a mistake that he made on a hunt. And the story that we get from his journal and the story that we get from Ellen in Born Under a Bad Sign is that, you know, he had to kill Bill. Like he had to do that to someone he loved, like his friend. And that really sucks. Like, it's just terrible. And like, again, it's just like compounding guilt on guilt on guilt on guilt, like that all of these things are his fault. I'm sure that even if he thinks he's doing the right thing with Sam and Dean, that there were probably moments where he was, you know, looking at them and thinking like, maybe I am doing this wrong. Maybe this isn't what I should be doing. Like, it, it's just so hard to see this character just like under the weight of all of this trauma and all of this guilt and all of this anger and to see that they're never going to find their way out of it. Like, that's really sad. Going back to the acquaintances, acquaintance note on a less, like, doom and gloom. <laughs> uh, 
I know we got I very mean, heavy I, there for a minute. There's going to be a lot of this, but I, that was one thing that really surprised me because I think we know the big ones, like Bobby, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, pseudo second father to Sam and Dean, and you know, they would stay with him on hunting trips when John was away for a long time. Even that one like month period where John just kind of pieces out and Bobby is <laughs> absolutely livid and then Sam and Dean don't see him again for years on end. But then, you know, Father Father Jim, who is mentioned more at the beginning of the series than the end, but I think that's one of his big ones, um, a hunter friend of John's. But when you go into, you know, like Fred Jones and Lee Webb, who we don't meet until almost the end of the series, and, you know, Bill Harvell and Martin Creaser, John really knew a lot of people, which I feel like didn't soak into my brain, maybe just because Missouri even, I mean, we do see kind of, not a lot of Missouri, but she's still a rather prominent um, supporting character. I feel like we just don't get to spend a lot of time with these characters. You know, we kind of mm-hmm. usually meet them on a one-off episode. I think that also contributes to, you know, we're only really seeing John in bits and pieces and snatches here and there. Because we don't get to spend an extended period of time with any people that he's been an extended period of time with outside of Sam and Dean, who, I mean, we've gone into all that, are not going to see him in a very accurate light. Yeah, like, it's it, those are his kids. Like, your kids, like, you're never going to see your parents as full people. Even if your parents are the best people ever, like, you're never going to see them as, like, full human beings. And so when you're seeing either Mary and we'll get into this more with Mary. Cause I feel like it happens a lot with Mary as well. Like just the vision of that the kids have of her versus like who she really was and who she is when she comes back. But like, yeah, like there's certain aspects of John that are going to seem much scarier to a kid. And it's not that I don't think that some of that stuff did happen. Like I think the vast majority of it probably did, but when you're like a little kid and your father's being scary, it's all going to get heightened like to a higher level. So that impacts how we see John as well as like this very scary authority figure. And again, like seeing how Dean and Sam react to John was such a big part of their early character development, you know, seeing that Dean was so eager to please him and eager to kind of make him like put him on this pedestal of being a hero. Whereas Sam was very much like, no, (laughs) Sam did not have the same, the same feeling at all. I mean, I will say, I think we do also get a picture of that. I mean, John, I don't think John, this version of John was ever going to be a warm and fuzzy guy. But even within that, he was still kind of, I think he fell back on like that military strictness a lot Mm -hmm. of the time, which could come off as aloof to his children, especially when, I mean, like times when, you know, we've seen that Dean would be, you know, kind of sent away to kind of handle things on his own or just, you know, maybe kind of distance for a while. I think that would come off a you know, very hard to a person that already has these abandonment issues from his mother dying very young. And I think that does contribute and compound that issue. I'm not saying that that was a great, you know, punishment to do or. Yeah, it's not the, not the right move, not the right move, but. But, but that can play into, you know, the issues that we do already see his children having because of all the trauma that they've experienced so early in their life, which could be said about a lot of their lives a lot of events that happened to them and it's a coping mechanism for john too because again this man has so much untreated stuff <laughs> that he should have seen a therapist for like at least 10 years before the kids were even born so you know some of this returning to that militarization not being able to handle being around the kids for that long feeling guilty around them feeling sort of helpless in protecting them like that's all stuff that he just never had the opportunity to to work on at all um and that's why you know to some extent, Lebanon as an episode is really interesting because you're letting Sam and Dean and Mary have these sort of conversations with John that like they maybe couldn't have um, when John was alive, when they were younger, when they were truly all together. And I'm not saying that like there aren't aspects of that episode where you're kind of like, really? But like what's interesting about it is to see how everybody kind of comes full circle except for John. Like, that's really tragic that he has to go back in time. He has to go back to 2003. He doesn't get to be a changed person, really. He just has to live out his life the way that he was kind of fated to. I just, I find him such a sad character. Like, when you really, like, get down to it, like, it's very sad that he never got the chance to realize things about himself, that he never got the chance to really, like, have that good relationship with his sons, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I think a big theme in Supernatural is, you know, challenging the idea of fate and fighting Mm -hmm. destiny. And, you know, even Mary gets a chance to do that. I mean, obviously, Sam and Dean with the entire apocalypse and many subsequent apocalypses. (laughs) All all the various apocalypses. The various (laughs) ends of the world, but mainly that first one. But I mean, even Mary gets to evolve Mm -hmm. outside of her predetermined role of, you know, Sam and Dean need to be born for this to happen. Mm -hmm. She gets to I don't want to say make something of herself outside of it because I mean, she, you know, she was a person before that and she was a multifaceted person before that, but I think she gets to expand outside the narrative that was written for her. And like you said, John doesn't get a chance to do that because he doesn't get to come back. Mm -hmm. How interesting would that have been though? If they had brought both of them back at the same time, we would have such a different take on John, I bet. It would be fascinating, mostly because, you know, I think Mary, this is like realming into like theory corner a little bit, but oh, I think it is, that, but, but you know, we'll let it go there. But I think that Mary had, she had like the time to really interact with John. I think she would have had words for him. I think they could have given time. I think they probably all could have had a conversation given time and an excellent therapist. I think they all probably could have like worked through some of that stuff together, but like we see that Mary's horrified when she kind of realizes exactly what happened after she died. Like she's not, there was no part of her that wanted John to like avenge her or anything like that. I think it's it really, it's sad for her to see what happened. And so when I see that Mary has that kind of faith in like the, that version of John, like when she's thinking like, oh, there's no way that he would have been so terrible. And then that whole thing happened. Like I have to think that, that there was something good in John that she saw that kept her there aside from just being fated to be together. And aside from just, you know, kind of being forced together in this narrative, like there has to be something under there that she loved, you know? Oh yeah. And I can't imagine loving someone that, you know, to be such a strong character and Mm -hmm. so good, I think is probably what, at least that's the vibe that I got from Matt's version anyway, just so full of life and, to have him lose himself. And that that's just the tragedy of John. He just loses himself completely in her that she can't even like wrap her mind around it at first, which is painful. Everything about John is painful. That's why I'm so interested to see how they like eventually end the Winchesters. Um, because it's going to be really sad. Like it is knowing no that a sad ending it. is coming. No matter what so happens, painful. it's not going to be a happy ending, which is, difficult like it's it's just going to be a sad story and i think that's what's so hard about seeing even the trailer with like how puppy dog like you see drake being as john like i mean just even him hitting mary and then mary punching him back like that little sequence is just so sweet like and and you just think oh like in however many years your whole life is going to be changed it, it's it's a tragedy so I, i'm interested to know what they end up how they end up kind of resolving that because i'm along for the ride either way like i think it's I, I as i've said before i like angst so i mean like i'm here no matter what but like i'm just i'm intrigued by how they're gonna handle that switching gears a bit i mean I, something that i think is really interesting we're talking about john is this like big larger than life character mm-hmm. i mean everyone who meets him has this just no matter how you feel about him, the characters in the story always have this large amount of respect for him. And he's always been this character that's kind of stood out. But when you look at the larger events of Supernatural and, you know, like we said, Sam and Dean, like literally fighting God at the end, John was kind of a small fish hunter <laughs> in, in which you don't see that at the beginning, you know, it you, back when demons were like, we're in deep deep territory (laughs) the the worst possible creature you could ever fight the demons (laughs) yeah but i mean that was really the biggest thing that john ever really interacted with which is really interesting to think about just because even still in the later seasons knowing all that sam and dean have seen and done john is still revered in his own right as a hunter Mm -hmm. Which I think is something else that's going to be really great is to see how Drake as John holds his own. Because we don't really get to see John actually hunt like on screen that much. I don't know. Just a we thought. We don't, do we? I, I, well, d- I don't think so. Not by himself. Able. 
not by himself no like there's a couple of times where he hunts like or he teams up with sam and dean for like these short little bits or these like battles or whatever but yeah yeah i mean it's mostly just implied that he's a yeah. fantastic hunter and this legend and so on mm-hmm. and so on and sometimes we get that from people who are like specifically trying to like piss dean off <laughs> like um i always come back to like azazel's comments that he made about john and like him like not breaking in hell which like again like you just don't know but i just think i think it's fascinating that they really try to hype john up as this like perfect man and like you'll never like live up to that legacy and yet they also present all this like compelling evidence of like no he was just a dude like he was a hunter like he was just a guy like he was good at his job but he wasn't like a god like he was just another hunter who was good at his job you know like i think that's that's interesting like i like kind of talking about what you said like he's this larger than life figure because we know so little about him and because the only times that we see him are through the eyes of sam and dean it's going to be interesting to see him on his own terms like just as a as a kid like as a as a newbie hunter trying to figure things out and how that reconciles with like the later version of him so now that we've talked a little bit about John's past and kind of his storylines leading up to now um, we wanted to have a little a little bit of time for theory corner because as we all know we always have some unhinged theories to offer up so what do we got guys what what are our theories what are our hopes and dreams what do we think is going to happen um, in this first season when it comes to John I don't know there's just so many directions for it to go it's hard to it's hard to narrow it down to one thing or even a few things that I want to see I think my main development that I want to watch because when he meets Mary, he doesn't know about hunting and sort of gets thrown into it. So we'll know he has some training from the military, but I just want him to be like really bad at the beginning. And then like slowly grow into it for some reason. (laughs) That's probably not, they'll probably have him be a natural and just be really good at it. But I just want him to be really bad and like keep making mistakes and her have to keep saving him repeatedly as, and then him slowly grow into becoming a good I love that trope. I love that trope so much of like somebody trying to figure something out, the other one just being frustrated and being like, oh, like I'll show Mm -hmm. you. And then see, this is like my like my romance issues coming up. But I'm like, that would be really fun. Or even if like Carlos teaches him, that would be really funny. Just someone. I just don't I want him to be not great at the beginning and then be like, Are you sure? Are you sure this is the thing you want to do? I feel like all of my current theories are a little two on the unhinged side to share on air so i will wait until we have some more footage to uh throw the craziness out there but i do know jules has one in particular that she wanted to talk about so she, does. Listen, she has a great one this is so unhinged that i honestly hope they don't do it because i don't need to know that i'm on that kind of wavelength with any other human being that they would also think of the same theory <laughs> to do this um Okay, so here's the deal. I love a good memory reset as much as the next person, but I don't think they're going to make it as easy as like the series finale of the Winchesters is like somebody, some angel just as a time wipe. We've talked about this. It's kind of lazy writing by itself. Something that I keep coming back to is that if angelic intervention was really necessary to keep these two together, and we know that at least two major things that we knew about John that he didn't know about hunting and that he didn't know about the men of letters are like not true, even in the trailer. Like we can see that he knows about both of them. If they have to keep resetting the timeline because these two aren't falling in love the right way, what if all those memory lapses and all those times that they're resetting the timeline just slowly mess with John to the point that he's like already ready to snap? Like this is a man who we've established has like severe untreated PTSD. And then you're also messing with the timeline in such a way that like it could cause him to doubt his own memory and then losing Mary would hit someone like that very, very hard because his body is remembering hunting and all this trauma and all these times that they erased his memory, but he wouldn't. And that's just like, ultimately like what would break him and what would turn him into the John that we know and make him kind of like unrecoverable in the end. Cause I kept thinking of like what happened with Cass on the original show, like the brainwashing that he went through and how that affected him. I just think that that could be something that happened to John or to Mary that would lead to trouble down the line. I can see the other two sitting here not wanting to even know about this, but I don't know. 
I think it sounds like a good theory. It's definitely unhinged and it's definitely out there. I would absolutely lose my mind if that's what they did with it. Truly. But hey, we're documenting it now. So with that slim chance Mm -hmm. it happens, we we knew all along. So this is the proof, guys. Don't forget us when when the inevitable may or may not happen. Or if you're listening, have fun, Robbie. Fun, Robbie. We'll give <laughs> it to you go. for free. We're not even asking for, for credit or anything. We'll credit you. We'll be like, oh my God, they must have thought oh about gosh. this all along. They're so amazing. Wow. <laughs> or ever did they get the idea? Who knows? No, I mean, I, I yeah. absolutely think angels are going to come into it. But I just, I think that there has to be something that explains why John snaps. And like, I understand that losing Mary is a tough blow and it would be a tough blow for anybody. But to set yourself up on a revenge mission for like the vast majority of your children's lives. Like that's pretty, that's gotta be something pretty rough to have happen. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. I know. I can't wait to see <laughs> everything. I want to know it all. Now. I know. October is so far away. It's it so like, far. Like it's not, but it is though. <laughs> all right. Do you guys have any last thoughts that you want to share? We have some, we covered so much. We did. We did cover a lot of bases. I mean, just to kind of wrap it all up here, you know, Supernatural did a decent job, I think, at really unpacking what it is to have that intergenerational trauma. You see how leaving, how having Henry leave affected John, how having John not really be present affected Dean and Sam, you know, it's part of what makes Dean and Sam's character development over the course of 15 years so powerful is kind of seeing them break that cycle for the first time. I mean, you look at even Dean, especially in like that last second to last episode when he's saying, you know, this isn't who I am anymore. Like these people go on this journey over all of this time. Um, And John is this man who couldn't, like we were saying earlier, like he's just weighed down by all this guilt and this shame and this anger and he can't find his way out of it. And I think that the fascinating part about this show is that we're going to see this version of John who is at this crossroads and we know which way he's going to go, but he doesn't. And there's something so tragic and interesting about that, that like, we know, like this character is trying to do the right thing. This character is trying to live a good life and we know how it's going to end up for him. And I'm just really interested to see how this journey plays out and what Robbie and the rest of the team bring to it. Well, that's our show for this week. Be sure to check back soon for our next episode, a deep dive into Mary Campbell. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SPN on the road pod and head over to at nerds and beyond for all your nerdy news. This week's episode was edited by Jules Thompson and produced by Brianna Lester, Kennedy Lynch, and Jules Thompson for nerds and beyond. Our theme music is by Kennedy Lynch.